Good morning. Today, Pentecost 2020, the birthday of the Church of Jesus Christ, marks the completion of two and a half years of my preaching ministry here at Maple Valley Church. Two and a half years of you listening to me preach on Sundays. So look, put that in perspective of how much time we're talking about. With the amount of time you've listened to me preach, you could watch all the MCU movies twice. So I pray that as we conclude our series in the book of Revelation, that God's filled our hearts with more gospel hope and joy than, than our minds with uh, Marvel comic books. I'm going to be reading from Revelation chapter 22, verse 6 to 21. And I don't know about you, but you've probably been sitting throughout this whole series. You're comfortable. You're on your couch, maybe. Let, let's honor God's word. If you're able, would you stand with me? It's one of our traditions here as a church. We want to honor God's word by standing together. So if you're able, you're looking, is he, is he talking to me? I'm talking to you. All right, you ready? Listen now to God's word. Revelation 22, verse 6 to 21. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the, the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the church. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, let the one who desires, take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of the prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. 
Amen. Please be seated. Last June, I started preparing for our series in the Revelation of Jesus Christ. And I always start my series the same way. I always start planning for a new series with prayer. But I'll tell you, I was literally on my knees day after day, praying about this series, praying about the monumental task of preaching through such a powerful passage of Scripture, the last book in the Bible, yet one that is so mysterious to us, one that we don't understand well, one that pastors are afraid to preach. And so I just prayed, Lord, on my knees, Lord, is this what you want me to do? Am I capable of it, Lord? Will will I do a good job, oh God? And, And the question I asked over and over again, Lord, is this the right timing? I haven't been here for very long. haven't gotten to know these people that well. We're getting to know each other. We're, we're really bonding. But is this a time to go so deep into your word? And God's answer and his ongoing answer was yes. Yes, by my grace. Yes, and yes. Over and over again, God's answer has been a resounding yes, especially to the question of timing. Lord, is this the time? to open up the last book of the Bible? Is this a time to to go into places that are controversial and complicated and confusing and could even divide people? Is this a time? And the Lord, in his profound and perfect wisdom, spoke into my heart, to the people around me, into our team and elders. The answer was yes. And I'd have no idea that we'd be living through times fraught with such peril. The lethal coronavirus has now claimed more than 100,000 Americans. Over 40 million out of work. An avalanche of eviction notices soon to come. And God knew it's the right time. It's the right time to see prophecy about the fall of of Babylon, to see what's really going on, to understand where real power lies when we are in the midst of yet another Cold War, where superpowers are, are facing off in global political mayhem, things in cyber world that we don't even see, but God sees it all. God said, this is the time. A time in 2020 where we're now entering into this very divisive season of election. God said, this is a time. Time for what? Time to heed Jesus' warnings to the church. So often when we think of Revelation, we think of a a street preacher uh, wearing a, a, a sandwich board, screaming at people about repenting. The book of Revelation is for the church, first and foremost. This is a time in the midst of this time, to hear Jesus' warning, to check our loyalties, to check our priorities. Personally, as an evangelical pastor, as a white person of privilege, this is the time. Yes, it's a time for thoughts and prayers, but it's time for much more than that. 
And so as I stand here before you, knowing the privileges that I've received in this world, knowing that my son, my 16-year-old son, who stands six foot four, and you, if you ever see Jonathan, he's always wearing a hoodie. I never, ever worry about him leaving our house on bike or on foot along the paths around Maple Valley or going all the way into Renton. Never a fear, never a concern. And I've taken that for granted. In the past few weeks, we've witnessed horrific images of racism and injustice. Peaceful protests followed following the murder of George Floyd at the Good morning. Today, Pentecost 2020, the birthday of the Church of Jesus Christ, marks the completion of two and a half years of my preaching ministry here at Maple Valley Church. Two and a half years of you listening to me preach on Sundays. So put that in perspective of how much time we're talking about. With the amount of time you've listened to me preach, you could watch all the MCU movies twice. So I pray that as we conclude our series in the book of Revelation, that God's filled our hearts with more gospel hope and joy than, than our minds with uh, Marvel comic books. I'm going to be reading from Revelation chapter 22, verse 6 to 21. And I don't know about you, but you've probably been sitting throughout this whole series. You're comfortable. You're on your couch, maybe. Let, let's honor God's word. If you're able, would you stand with me? That's one of our traditions here as a church. We want to honor God's word by standing together. So if you're able, you're looking, is he, is he talking to me? I'm talking to you. All right, you ready? Listen now to God's word. Revelation 22, verse 6 to 21. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the, the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the church. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, 
with the one who desires, take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Last June, I started preparing for our series in the Revelation of Jesus Christ. And I always start my series the same way. I always start planning for a new series with prayer. But I'll tell you, I was literally on my knees day after day, praying about this series, praying about the monumental task of preaching through such a powerful passage of Scripture, the last book in the Bible, yet one that is so mysterious to us, one that we don't understand well, one that pastors are afraid to preach. And so I just prayed, Lord, on my knees, Lord, is this what you want me to do? Am I capable of it, Lord? Will I do a good job, oh God? And the question I asked over and over again, Lord, is this the right timing? I haven't been here for very long, haven't gotten to know these people that well. We're getting to know each other. We're, we're really bonding, but is this a time to go so deep into your word? And God's answer and his ongoing answer was yes, yes, by my grace, yes, and yes. Over and over again, God's answer has been a resounding yes, especially to the question of timing. Lord, is this the time? to open up the last book of the Bible? Is this a time to, to go into places that are controversial and complicated and confusing and could even divide people? Is this a time? And the Lord, in his profound and perfect wisdom, spoke into my heart, to the people around me, into our team and elders. The answer was yes. And I'd have no idea that we'd be living through times fraught with such peril. The lethal coronavirus has now claimed more than 100,000 Americans. Over 40 million out of work. An avalanche of eviction notices soon to come. And God knew it's the right time. It's the right time to see prophecy about the fall of, of Babylon, to see what's really going on, to understand where real power lies when we are in the midst of yet another Cold War, where superpowers are, are facing off in global political mayhem, things in cyber world that we don't even see, but God sees it all. God said, this is the time. A time in 2020 where we're now entering into this very divisive season of election. God said, this is a time. Time for what? Time to heed Jesus' warnings 
to the church. So often when we think of Revelation, we think of the street preacher uh, wearing a, a, a sandwich board, screaming at people about repenting. The book of Revelation is for the church, first and foremost. This is a time. In the midst of this time, to hear Jesus' warning, to check our loyalties, to check our priorities. Personally, as an evangelical pastor, as a white person of privilege, this is the time. Yes, it's a time for thoughts and prayers, but it's time for much more than that. And so as I stand here before you, knowing the privileges that I've received in this world, knowing that my son, my 16-year-old son, who stands six foot four, and you, if you ever see Jonathan, he's always wearing a hoodie. I never, ever worry about him leaving our house on bike or on foot along the paths around Maple Valley or going all the way into Renton. Never a fear, never a concern. And I've taken that for granted. In the past few weeks, we've witnessed horrific images of racism and injustice. Peaceful protests followed following the murder of George Floyd at the knee of a uniformed officer and, and law enforcement across the country resoundingly redeeming, uh, condemning this action. The peaceful protests have sparked a firestorm not seen since 1968 when Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated across our country. There are cities on fire today and last night. Dr. King, in one of his most important sermons titled The Other America, he tried to, to strike a balance between both sides of the issue. He says, quote, Riot is the language of the unheard. Yet he also said riots are socially destructive and self-defeating. Beloved church, we have to listen. We have to turn our thoughts and prayers to these situations. We need to hear the anger and long-standing grievances of a black community. We need to feel it ourselves. Not say, I'll pray for you, I'm sorry for you, but no, I'm going to own it too. I'm going to feel that too. I'm here with you. I will walk with you. Prayers of lament calls for justice. This is a time to educate ourselves. And we ought to take action. And what kind of action we're called to? We're called to the work of reconciliation. The gospel compels us to, to seriously, carefully, wisely understand and communicate and do something about the many injustices facing our communities of color. So I invite you to join me. And join me as we stand with our black Christian brothers and sisters up against injustice, the systematic, social, economic. That's what we stand for this morning. Is this the time that I would say these words from this pulpit? I believe the Lord knew that Pentecost Sunday 2020 was such a time as this. They are, these incredible cities under siege by, 
by arson and assault and looting. It's absolutely terrible. We lived for nine years in Minneapolis. I love that city. I see coast to coast what's happening. I'm from Oakland, California. We lived in LA, then nine years in Minneapolis, seven years in DC. And then you turn on the news last night and this morning, you see what happens to, to my new hometown of Seattle. These images are shocking. So it's the right time. It's the right time for us to be shocked and under, understanding what's actually happening in the world. But the revelation, the apocalypse, the revealing of what's really going on to help us be informed and then prepared to act to act in the way that the Lord Jesus would lead us. Remember, the revelation was received in a perilous time. John, the apostle, the pastor, the prophet, he's being held on an island called Patmos in the middle of the Aegean Sea. It's the year 96 AD. He is a prisoner of Rome. He would have been labeled an outside agitator because he was calling Christians uh, to stand firm in their faith and not to give in to worshiping Caesar. And there on the Sabbath, on the Lord's Day, on the Sunday, he's praying and he's praying especially for seven churches that are under attack from the outside and within. Some of them are compromising big time to what's happening in the world around them. Some of them are holding strong, but they are being pressed down and oppressed. And that's when the angel of the Lord comes and he turns and he sees Jesus and he receives this revelation. And here we are at the end. And what's the theme? Look, look at your text if you have your Bible open. Mine says, Jesus is coming. And that's a pretty good title for a section that's added later. Really, I think you have to add another qualifier. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus says in the book, these things must soon take place. Chapter 1, verse 1, and here in verse 6. Notice, notice the things in the prologue, the very beginning, those first eight verses of chapter 1, and here the epilogue, the end of the book. There's a parallel, both places saying these things must soon take place. What soon things? Why, why, why the rush? Well, then Jesus says, for the time is near. Again, Prologue, chapter 1, verse 3, and then here, chapter 22, verse 10. It, it bookends the revelation. The time is near. Time for what? Jesus says it. I am coming soon. I'm coming soon. He says it three times. Find it in your book. If you have your revelation open, verse 7, 12, and 20. Jesus is coming soon. So I'll ask you, is Jesus coming soon? It's been 2,000 years, folks. Is he coming soon? Re Revelation is, is mysterious about exact timing. And we have to think about time is relative, isn't it? Uh, the, the rate of time changes isn't the same for every frame of reference, right? Time is relative. So, so you think about what soon really mean. If, I, if I'm popping some popcorn to watch the latest uh, comic book movie, Five minutes is soon. When will the popcorn be ready? Three to five minutes. 
not soon. You find out that you're pregnant or that your wife is pregnant. When will the baby be here? Well, less than nine months. That's still soon. See, it's relative. So when we ask the question, is Jesus coming soon? We have to qualify the meaning of the word soon. And in the Greek, the word is tahu. It's translated soon or, or quickly. It means actually without delay. So when you see that word soon or quickly, the real definition is without delay. It means not immediately. It means all of the conditions have been met for the light to turn green. All systems go, right, with a space launch and the final countdown. The same word is used elsewhere in Scripture throughout the New Testament. What's interesting is Jesus uses this word of what it means to be soon near all conditions met in Revelation more than any place else in the New Testament. That events have been set in motion for the end game to happen, for the final moves before what? Before something that will happen that will be unexpected and without warning. Jesus has said throughout our study of Revelation, listen, he said, be ready for his imminent return. God only knows when it will be, so we need to live expecting him at any time. Now's the time. When's he coming? Now. He, he could come now. Now we are living in the last days. That seems to be the point that Jesus is making here, not about being as specific about the exact time, even as the apostles asked him where and when, and when's it going to happen? And he says, the Father knows, but you must be ready. He wants every generation, listen folks, he wants us to be living in the awareness that he may suddenly appear. And when he does, we must give an account of the way he finds us. So the question, is Jesus coming soon? The answer, yes, he is coming without delay. All systems are go. We, I say this because this is the perspective of Revelation. I'm already getting kind of fired up here, and this room's almost completely empty. I'm, I'm kind of hot under the collar because that's the urgency that John wants us to read this text. He wants us to hear it this way. That's what Jesus wants us to hear in this way, a sense of urgency that we need to get off our duff, get off the sofa, and do something to get ready for his coming. So since Jesus was born, he was born Messiah, Yeshua, the, the anointed one. In Greek, his title is the Christ. Ever since his birth, life, and ministry, and how did his ministry start in Mark chapter 1, verse 15? He said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That was his message right out the gate. Ever since that time. And when the grace of injustices was enacted against Jesus, the God-man who identified with the Jewish people under the thumb of Rome and was crucified on a Roman cross. And three days later, was resurrected, and 40 days later, on this day, Pentecost sent the Holy Spirit down like flames that landed on his apostles. Ever since that day, we've been living in the last days. We've been living in the end times, only a few moves before the end game. 
And the end game is this. You ready? Hold on to your seats. It's the second coming of Jesus Christ. That is the end game. You don't need to read the New York Times or, or check posts on Facebook to know we are in the end times right now. It doesn't matter what's being written on the, uh, above the fold in the Wall Street Journal or what you see uh, on the news. We are living now in the end times. And I thank God that he said, this is the time, Pete, to lead your people and yourself and your family through the operation manual to prepare for my coming. So friends, we shouldn't be surprised that the things are getting more intense the nearer that day comes. Every generation has, has felt that nearness that will soon take place. And I thought, well, Lord, is this right for our church, for where we live? We're living it, aren't we? We get it in the midst of this pandemic. This book is here to help you get ready. This book is not a crystal ball for you to predict uh, what's going to happen. It's a manual to help you walk in step with Jesus. And what's he getting ready to do when he comes back? What's Jesus going to do? Is he going to whisk us away? Is he going to come and swoop us up and fly us off? I hope not. I'll tell you, friends, I hope that I'm left behind. Can I say that? I, I'm sure I just lost some, some people right there, right? Not you? Okay, I got, I got one. I hope that I'm left behind. Do you know why? Because in Matthew 24, when Jesus talks about two people are working on a field and one of them is caught up and taken away, you know where they're taken? To judgment. So I hope I'm left behind. I'll just keep working. Getting ready for the kingdom to come from heaven coming down to earth. So no, we're not getting ready to be whisked away. We're not getting ready to pull the emergency cord and, or, or go flying off or hiding in some bunker. What are we getting ready for? Many assume that, that the story of the Bible is about how you get to heaven. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Say, what? I thought the whole thing was about getting to heaven. I go to Sunday school and try to be a good person, and, and then I get to go to heaven, right? Uh, nope. Not what we've studied here. Not in the story of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, it is about how our Creator is putting everything right in this world, making all things new so that He can bring heaven to earth so we can dwell with Him forever in a new creation. That's what's coming. The revelation is about God saving faithfulness to his creation and his covenant. And what we can be doing to anticipate that. And in some ways, in some ways, empowered by the Spirit to implement that kingdom work. That's what the story of the Bible is about. And that's a very different message than what most people assume our religion teaches. We're getting ready, folks. We're not getting ready for a train to take us away or a spaceship or our own planets or anything else. We're getting ready for God to bring heaven and earth together. The last book of the Bible gets us ready with down-to-earth practical instruction about obeying Jesus, about being in step 
with him about grabbing our attention in the most fantastical ways, things that are powerful, that, that are evocative. It's these words and these phrases, these images, these symbols are meant to grab your attention. They are meant to upset us and confuse us because they point to greater realities. That's what's happening throughout our whole series since October. And a key to that preparation is that the Lamb's victory, the victory of Jesus, what Jesus won on the cross to, to take our place for sin leads to suffering. That the more we are in line with Jesus, the more we will suffer for our faith. And we know that we are on the right track when we are being pressed down. The intensity that's building in the final days and drawing near. So if everything's going easy breezy for the church of Jesus Christ in our country, something's off. That's why the global church is growing. Because under persecution and hardship, they're thriving. People that haven't read uh, or think about Revelation, they, 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 they just assume that it's about fire and brimstone and things like that. But, but so much of the book is about the anguish that Christians are going through and that Jesus is near to us, that he's with his churches, that he comes alongside to encourage us to remain loyal to him. So Christians are encouraged to see our victory in Christ, to hang in there, to be faithful, to hold on. Why? Because God is sovereign. God's in control in the midst of this chaos to say, yes, God, you are in control and you are judge and you will make all things new again. So what time is it? What's the time for right now? It's time to see God's promises come to full, to, to come to full visualization, to come fully through and the multi-ethnic family of God to enter the holy garden city. What time is it for? Time for what we see here is, is an international family of God, a family of God made up of people from every tribe and tongue and nation. Look at Revelation 5.9. Jesus says, it says, Jesus ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. So when we are in heaven, when we look around, we're going to look so diverse and so beautiful. That's what Revelation shows us here. At the end of Revelation, we're told that the kings of the earth, the rulers of all the kingdoms of the earth that are brought into this new Jerusalem, it says, quote, the, their glory and their honor of the nations will be laid down at the feet of Jesus. Just picture that incredible image of rich diversity of the redeemed. The shed blood of Jesus means the sovereign Lord is now fully able to act on behalf of his people while at the same time upholding his perfect justice. And see, I, I, I wrote this a couple weeks ago, these notes. You see how timely it is. Thank you, Lord, for the timing. So what do we do in the meantime? What do we do in the now? In the brokenness of our time, in a time of pandemic, and strife, and loss of employment, and fear, and yet also incredible technological advances, and, and AI, and 
in time of climate change and, and all the rest, what do we do? What did I say at the very beginning? The one thing that Jesus says more than anything else in the book of Revelation, 19 times he says, look, behold, fix your eyes on Christ. See his victory. See above all this mess, this is a time for his kingdom to come and for the things to be on earth as they are in heaven. They say, Pastor P, that's great. That's a lot. We're, can we get down to some brass tacks, practical stuff? Okay, here it is. I got four things. Sorry, Frank, not three. I got four. You ready? Number one, taking notes, here we go. Keep the words of the prophecy. That's an easy one. Look at verse 7, 11, 18, and 19. Keep the words of the prophecy. Don't add or subtract. The words of the discipleship manual in these crazy times are trustworthy and true. I didn't say it. God said it. It isn't true because you hear it from a pulpit or, or you have a friend who tells you about it. They're true because they are God's word. How will you know they're true? You'll know it by keeping it. Daniel was, was told, the, prophet, the uh, prophet Daniel was told to close up his prophecy because the time wasn't ready yet for what he had seen and what was revealed to Daniel. But now John's told, even as he sees all the things that Daniel and Ezekiel and Isaiah and others saw, he's told, keep it open because we're in these last times. The gospel of, of Revelation emphasizes that sinners repent and turn from their sins and follow Jesus, will be saved. Keep the word. So submit every area of your life to his lordship and his control. Say, every area of my life, Lord, there's not going to be one area that I compartmentalize, that I hide from you, that I'm different in private, that I am in public, Lord. I want to give you sovereign control over every area of my life. And the gospel says that if you confess your sins before God and confess that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. This is the word. So how do we keep the word? Keep opening the word. I love that we've been so deep into scripture. I, I knew something amazing was happening when we started this in October and we offered those special booklet journals for, for Revelation and they were flying off the shelves. So we couldn't order enough to get them into your hands. I love that our small groups are deeply studying God's word, underlying, circling, com having conversation, applying what you're learning. This is what it should look like. This should not be the end of a series like this. It should only be the beginning of a series in God's word like this together. The choices that other people make, the scripture says, left to their own devices, scripture says they will not change. If they're going one way, they're going to keep going that way. It's only by God's word and God's spirit that the power comes to change a person. You can't legislate that. You can't just force that. You can't pay people off to change. It has to be a, a work of the spirit of God. So keep it and live it. Start by loving your neighbor. And love is more than a feeling. It's, it's something you do. Show hospitality. Practically help others in need. Practically show Christian love, especially to other Christians, people in our community that are poor and in need and hungry. And there are going to be so many more people that fit that category. 
That's number one. Number two, that was a lot of rape, Pastor Frank. You ready for number two? Worship God. Verse 9 and 12. John had to be told twice not to worship an angel. He, he got it wrong twice. Worship God alone. Folks, we don't have enough time here. We're, we're, we're coming to the end of the sermon, but I encourage you, go back over this text, and in your small group time, the questions are posted online, but this wasn't even a question, but go back and look at the titles that Jesus gives himself in this passage and study them. See the deity of Jesus Christ, the one that we worship, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end of all things, the root and descendant of David, and the last title that Jesus gives to himself, the bright morning star. The, the last star in the night sky shows up maybe three in the morning. It shows the dawn is on its way and the darkness at midnight and beyond. How powerfully just to sit with that, to study it. Like, okay, where does that come from? Where is that else in scripture? We've been doing that this whole time. John writes something he sees and then it bounces right into the Old Testament. Study God's word and worship God. And when I say worship, friends, listen, Jesus loves you, but Jesus is not simply our pal. Jesus is not our buddy. And too often we want to just give a message that's fuzzy and soft and cozy and I believe when we've studied God's word, when John turns around and he sees a warrior standing in front of him, I, I think he sees all of who Jesus is. As C.S. Lewis says, he's good, but he's not safe. That's the God that we worship. Number three, wash your robes. Verses 14 and 15. This is the seventh and final blessing by grace, we have access to the tree of life and the holy garden city. The question is, are you dressed? Are you prepared right now to enter into that city? Think of all the parables Jesus gave about the wedding feast and people being properly dressed and people responding to the invitation. That's the question here. What does it mean? That's a symbol. What does it mean to be dressed? What does that mean? It means check your loyalty. If you have any loyalty left to Babylon, confess it now and excise it from your life. Any allegiance you still have to anyone other than Jesus Christ, that we might live in the present age in the manner worthy of our Christian calling and in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, friends, reject wicked behavior. Reject the darkness. Reject those urges that come up as you, as you sense, sense things coming up inside of you that you know are not of God. Reject that. Confess that. And leave that behind. And number four and finally, pray. Look how it ends. The book ends with a prayer. And the prayer is, come Lord Jesus. Verse 17. Pray. For his kingdom to come and his will to be done. We conquer not by fighting back, but by following Jesus who won the victory through his own suffering. That's the way of the lamb that we're to go. Prayer leads us to that kind of action. But it's our faith and our courage 
that it'll get us through. Hold on to your faith. God will give you more courage than you've ever believed possible if you turn to him right now and say, Holy Spirit, come powerfully. As you came at Pentecost, as Peter spoke over the crowds and said, these men are not drunk. It's only like 10 in the morning. They are filled with the Holy Spirit, fulfilling Joel chapter 2, that the Holy Spirit would come on all flesh. You can pray for that. Pray to that end. Two and a half years. Whew. Time flies when you're having fun. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible's message about, is about God's saving grace and love and hope in Jesus Christ. And that will continue to be the focus from this pulpit for many years to come as the Lord tarries, as he can sure come this afternoon, couldn't he? For his glory and for our ultimate good. So join me to pray. Pray that Jesus comes quickly. Pray for his justice to be served around the world. Pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. Pray for your friends and your neighbors and your colleagues and your classmates and perfect strangers. Take time today to be praying. And then these words from every corner of the globe, God's whole church coming together. God's redeemed people from every tongue and tribe. I'll read this passage from Revelation 15, verses 3 and 4. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways. O King of the nations, who will not fear our Lord and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been Revealed, the revelation, the apocalypse. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let's continue to worship. Amen.